Red Tail, Episode 2. Welcome to the second half of Red Tail. Recapping the first episode, it begins with my happily feeding my flock of pigeons in my rooftop garden on top of an old factory building on the Charles River near Boston, where I have the top floor art studio and the roof above it all to myself. Tragedy strikes when a red-tailed hawk attacks and kills one of my pigeons right in front of me while I look on in horror. The female red-tail becomes a regular visitor to the railing outside my studio window where she eats a pigeon every day. Over time, my allegiances shift from my flock of pigeons toward the red-tail, who's a real loner, not unlike myself. I name her Red, and we develop a fast friendship. Then all the pigeons disappear from the factory complex, and Red no longer has a source of food other than me. That brings us here to part two of Red Tail. As the cold months continue, Red keeps showing up for daily meals. While my meat budget increases substantially, I'm happy to help her through the hard months of scarce hunting. After feeding her all winter, in the spring I have my strangest interaction yet with Red. I'm going to head downtown to an art opening and hurry upstairs in my loft to change my clothes. As I come out of my closet, my eye is caught by some movement in the direction of my dresser. There sits Red, who must have come down the stairs from the roof where I've left the hatch open. She's making the same moves that a hawk makes just before it attacks, repeatedly jerking her head forward and down into her shoulders. So I enter my closet and close the door, leaving a small opening to watch her. She stops the attack gesture, flaps once and lands on my bed, then flies over to the stairs, hops up step by step, and she's gone. When I share this with an ornithologist friend, he responds, no way, and shakes his head. A red tail would never hop down a ladder into a closed area like that. I don't bother arguing with him, but it did happen. It reminds me of something that Barnett Newman, an early abstract expressionist, once said. Aesthetics is to artists what ornithology is to the birds. Meaning the activity of artists, like the behavior of birds, is not bound by any external system of ideas devised to explain it. I have another, more humorous interaction with Red one day in the parking lot. I hear some flapping sounds coming from the open dumpster behind the sandwich shop on the other side of the lot. When I peek over the edge of the dumpster, I surprise Red, who's scavenging in the garbage on a half-eaten submarine sandwich. She quickly jumps up to the lip of the dumpster, and it's hard to believe, but she actually looks embarrassed. I say to her out loud, Oh, Red, really? Garbage picking and eating a sub? And then she flies away. Before winter sets in again, Red disappears. It's my fervent hope that she's migrated south to Mexico, as many hawks from farther north in Canada do. But my fear is that she's been killed or poisoned in some way. As spring returns, I find myself checking out her perch by the fire escape in the hope that she returns, that this doesn't happen. I feel deeply saddened by the loss of my solitary friend. Occasionally, some of my pigeons approach me on the rooftop, but I shoo them away, still hoping that Red will return someday. Summer comes and goes, and a particularly harsh winter sets in 
and still no red. So I have to reconcile myself to the sad fact that I may never see her again. The coming of spring is a real relief, even though my feathered friend seems to be gone for good. Then one glorious morning, there she is, sitting on the railing, looking for me. What a joy to be reunited, and she has a surprise for me. Circling above the fire escape is her new partner, a smaller male redtail who seems to be afraid to land so close to me. It isn't long before he too is willing to land next to her, and she passes the food to him that I pass to her, or they both work together dismembering a pigeon. As if this hasn't made me happy enough, when I borrow a canoe to check out her nest again, I can just see three little white fuzzy chicks peeking up over the branches. One of my favorite quotes about nature is from Rachel Carson. It goes, There's something infinitely healing in the repeated refrains of nature, the assurance that dawn comes after night and spring after winter. Compulsive Storyteller is written and narrated by me, Greg Lefebvre, and co-produced with Peter Kokoma, who also made our theme song. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to The Compulsive Storyteller for free on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen, and it would be great if you could leave a review. Follow the show on Instagram, at The Compulsive Storyteller, and check out our website for more info at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening. And if you didn't like this one, the next one will be another story.